You know, God calls his people to respond to his will, his way, not our way. That's challenging. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are discovering the Bible today. We look at Jeremiah 22. This is interesting. From 20 to 22 is where we're reading. And this is a good one. Now, Corey and Ryan are here. They're going to help us later on in about 20 minutes. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at Jeremiah chapter 21 and King Nebuchadnezzar's role, interesting role. Uh, he was the king of Babylon, right? Well, despite being thoroughly mocked and abused, Jeremiah is unable to hold back the truth of God's word because he says it's like a burning fire shut up in his bones. Well, we're going to be talking about that a bit later. All right. Very good. 20 minutes time. 25 minutes. Janice is coming up. Yes. Keeping house. All right. Very good. So get out the Bible, get out your Bible guide, and let's listen to what God is saying to us right now. Jeremiah 22, verses 1 through 10. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, and there speak this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants, and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment and righteousness, and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong, and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you indeed do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house, riding on horses and in chariots, accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord to the house of the king of Judah, you are Gilead to me, the head of Lebanon. Yet I surely will make you a wilderness, cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against you, every one with his weapons. They shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every one will say to his neighbor, why has the Lord done so to this great city? Then they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. Weep not for the dead, nor bemoan him. Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 1 through 10. Well, today we read Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah 21, and Jeremiah 22. A very, very interesting passage as we study this. Now, the Lord God always tells us, tells his people what he expects from them. As Christians or Christ followers, we recognize that Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach set the path 
for us. His teachings and the commentary of the New Testament outline what is required of us. We know through his life and teachings that humanity has fallen into a sin-filled state. Now, this sin-filled state is an anti-God state, and it is deadly. By partaking in spiritual rebellion of sin, we are rejecting what God created for us. In fact, we are sabotaging our own peace, our own health, and safety. We were not created by God so that we could sin and die. We have awesome responsibilities and we're designed to accomplish what Christ has called us to do. In Jeremiah 22, we see God calling on the city of Jerusalem to change the way they were doing things. From this prophecy, we can learn godly wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. As we study the scripture today, I love Jeremiah. He is just great. And as we study the scripture today, let's understand that God is teaching us something from his word. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible guide and it will take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations very much. They help us to stay alive. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download the PDF file as we printed it and you can see it. Today, God speaks to Jerusalem and you are the new church. So just keep that in mind. Jerusalem 22, one through 10. Father, I pray today as we think this through and as we understand this, that we would read your word and as we read it, we would get it. Help us, Lord. Teach us your way and show us your path. Thank you, Father, as we focus on your word and Holy Spirit, we love you and thank you and be a part of our life. Now, if there's people watching who don't know you, Lord, touch their hearts that they may know you soon. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, take your Bible guide and your Bible, the most important book of all is your Bible. Turn to this Jeremiah 22 and let's read verse one. It says, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah. And there speak this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you indeed do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house, riding on horses and in chariots and accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Oh my goodness, that's intense. You see, God calls on his people to fulfill the responsibilities of his way. Not their own way. The Lord will eliminate all sin. Let me tell you something. God is going to deal with sin. There's going to come a day 
very soon, when the Lord will return, when the Lord comes back, he's going to deal with sin. I want to tell you something that's a serious situation because Revelation 19 tells us about God who comes out of the sky on a white horse and a sword coming out of his mouth, the word of God he has on him, written all kinds of things, the King of Kings, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we're personally, I'm behind him. I don't want to be in front of him when the wrath of God pours out. Very important to keep that in mind. Now, as we continue in verse six, this is really important. For thus says the Lord to the house of the king of Judah, you are Gilead to me, the head of Lebanon. Yet I surely will make you a wilderness, cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against you, everyone with his weapon. They shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city and everyone will say to his neighbor, why has the Lord done so to this great city? Then they will answer. This is what God says. Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, their God, and worshiped other gods and served them. Which brings me to this point. We must never forsake the covenant God has made with us. The Lord will judge everyone for what we have done with what we have been given. That's the judgment seat of Christ. So beloved, God has already died on the cross and rose again. He's already done that. And his covenant is we make a covenant with him and the covenant is called being born again. That's the covenant of God. That's what we make. Now, as we go on, Keep this in mind, weep not for the dead, nor bemoan him. Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. D did you get that? He shall return no more, nor see his native country. As a follower of Christ, a Christian, we are being brought to our home in this life. Those who reject God are being led astray. Now, I came to know Jesus Christ 46 years ago. I was living a double life. God really confronted me. You know how he did that? By reading his Bible. I was a preacher's son. My grandfather were preachers. My uncles were preachers. Everybody was a preacher. I could hear the best sermon and not get saved. I could pretend. There was a youth pastor who said, we're going to do something, but I don't think you can do it right. I said, come on, Pastor Dave Yanatone. I'll do it. And so Pastor Dave Yanatone said, we're going to do a discipleship class. I said, no problem. We had to read Psalm 1 and Proverb 1 on the first day of the month. Second day of the month, Psalm 2, Proverb 2, third day of the month, Psalm 3, Proverb 3. We did all of that. And I got to 21 and my heart was really struggling. And I got down on my knees. Nobody was with me in the living room. And I said, God, I'm a preacher's son. and I don't even know how to talk to you. Help me now. And the Holy Spirit came into my life, changed me and helped me. And God turned everything around. That next Sunday, I went to church and I saw Dave Yanito and he ran to me and we hugged each other. I said, Dave, he says, I know, I know. God got a hold of you. Well, let me tell you something. We understand when God gets a hold of us that things are different. I want to tell you something. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, if you invite Jesus into your life, 
God gets a hold of you, which he will if you're serious, then life will change for you. And you will see everything will be different. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today's segment is based off of Jeremiah chapter 20, where we really see an example of how badly Jeremiah was treated. And chapter 19 sets the stage for what happens because in that chapter, Jeremiah gives a warning to the people of Judah through the famous sign of the broken flask that judgment is coming. Well, in chapter 20, we see how poorly the people responded to this warning. One man who mocked and beat Jeremiah is called out by name here, Pasher, the son of Immer. For his actions against God's prophet, this man, who is a priest and prophet himself, receives a new name from the Lord. So open up your July Bible Discovery Guide to page 5 and follow along with me as we study God's Word. Jeremiah, perhaps more than all of the Old Testament prophets, suffered great ridicule, persecution, mockery, and abuse. This was directly tied to his seemingly anti-patriotic prophecies regarding Judah's soon-coming destruction and total deportation at the hands of the Babylonians. This message was not only extremely unpopular, but it directly contradicted what the other so-called prophets of the Lord were proclaiming. Indeed, though these misguided prophets were convinced that their people would remain in the land, the Lord God proclaimed the truth through Jeremiah. And, as God's word so often does, it offended both the governmental and religious institutions of Judah. As Jeremiah records in the 20th chapter of his book, now Pasher, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks. And it happened on the next day that Pasher brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Pasher, but Magor Mesabib. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies and your eyes shall see it. I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of this city, all its produce and all its precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will give into the hand of their enemies, who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pasher, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried there, you and all your friends, to whom you have prophesied lies. Unfortunately, not only did Pasher and the rest of Judah not heed this warning given by Jeremiah, but they despised and mocked him with it. As Jeremiah chapter 20 verses 3 and 10 record, God had changed Pasher's name, which means either ease or deliverance is roundabout, to Megor Mesabib, which by contrast means terror on every side. But in mockery and derision they laughed. Oh, terror on every side! Report and we will report it! Sadly, Jeremiah was so abused and mistreated 
that he had made the decision not to make mention of the Lord, nor speak any more in his name. However, as Jeremiah himself confessed, his word was in my heart, like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Regrettably, nothing has changed since Jeremiah's time. God's true children are still mocked, ridiculed, and persecuted to this day. However, we, just like Jeremiah, mustn't hold back the life-saving message of God's word for fear, but proclaim it boldly and unashamedly unto the ends of the earth, as our Lord Jesus Christ has commanded. So, for Pasher's actions, God changes his name to Megor Misabib, which means terror on every side. But the people even mock this, saying, Oh, fear on every side, report it and we will report it. You know, this is so unfortunate, and it shows just how far God's chosen people had fallen. But I like what one Bible scholar says about Pasher. He says that as an official in charge of the temple of the Lord, his job was to maintain order. But ironically, he chooses to maintain order by persecuting the Lord's prophet rather than deal with the practices defiling the temple. This opposition endured by all the Old Testament prophets foreshadows the opposition faced by Jesus himself as the final prophet. And now we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, will also endure opposition. But let's take Jeremiah's life today as an example of how we all should be. First of all, as Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord was in him. And it needs to be in us, too. There are so many Christians today who don't know the word of the Lord because they don't take the time to read and study the Bible. And so they're becoming more like the culture instead of more like Jesus. That's one of the major reasons why we see churches backing down on key issues. They just accept a lot of the Sodom-like culture. But like Jeremiah, we need to preach the truth of God's word and not back down, even though we will be mocked and maybe even persecuted. But remember, Jesus Christ has already won, so take heart. Yeah, very important. Very good lesson. Very important. Corey? All right. Well, I want to focus in on Jeremiah chapter 21 from our reading uh, today, where uh, we see... King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has marched against Judah and is besieging Jerusalem. And so King Zedekiah sends word to Jeremiah just to see if Jeremiah can inquire of God for them because maybe God will rescue them. This is a really interesting interaction. So first, let's take a look at this, this person, this historical person of King Nebuchadnezzar, and then we're going to get back to him being a catalyst. Take a look. The Bible's portrayal of the Neo-Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar is an interesting one. From the perspective of the people living in Judah and Jerusalem, he was a fearsome and war-savvy enemy to whom the prophets of God said they must bow one way or the other. To the first wave of noble exiles that were trained in his courts, Nebuchadnezzar was their new king, and he's portrayed in ways that demonstrate his pride, anger, and eventually how he was humbled with a bout of what today would be labeled as mental illness. The Bible also mentions Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian building projects, specifically as a source of pride for this ancient king. In the history recorded outside of the Bible, we see a similar picture emerge with even more detail. 
Nebuchadnezzar II was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. With military might and strong alliances, these two men led Babylon to decisive military victories over the dominant Assyrian Empire. Eventually, they completely destabilized it, defeating its leaders and taking its place as the new world power of the ancient Near East. When Nebuchadnezzar took the throne, he solidified his power by crushing rebellions and taking his place as the shepherd of the city of Babylon. This meant that he launched huge building campaigns, funded, no doubt, by the spoils of his warfare. And the city of Babylon became a major project. Babylon's main deities were Marduk and Nebo. And one of Nebuchadnezzar's finest building achievements was the rebuilding and refurnishing of their temple structures. He restored the great ziggurat of Babylon that's often associated with the Tower of Babel, and he rebuilt the Temple of Marduk. Nebuchadnezzar also fixed the canal of the Euphrates that passed through the city and a large processional bridge to facilitate the yearly festival and procession celebrating Marduk's victory and order. Nebuchadnezzar built the inner and outer walls of Babylon, his large palace and various temples, shrines, idols, and public buildings. This is the background for his boast of being Babylon's creator recorded in Daniel 4. Also notable are the many inscriptions Nebuchadnezzar left behind. Many are dedication inscriptions that he always seems to have ended with prayer. His prayers are noteworthy for his purposeful, humble approach. A king who owes all of his success to Marduk and the gods, a worshiper who wants peace, protection, and to serve the god he's addressing. Interestingly, Nebuchadnezzar II founded what may rightly be called the world's first museum. In a wing of his palace, he displayed artifacts from captured nations, objects excavated from ancient civilizations, inscriptions, statues, and some of his own commissioned work. He opened this collection to be viewed by the public. It testified to all of his supposed worthiness to protect and rule mankind. So Nebuchadnezzar is used as a catalyst here, uh, as this, it's, it's just so interesting. I want to read to you the first few verses of Jeremiah chapter 21. It says this, uh, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pasher son of Machaliah and the priest Zephaniah son of Messiah. They said, inquire now of the Lord for us because Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us as in times past, so that he will withdraw from us. So what King Zedekiah is likely remembering here is when uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, besieged Jerusalem and God allowed all of Judah to be destroyed except Jerusalem under King Hezekiah, right? Uh, Jeremiah answered them, tell Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I am about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands, which you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are outside the wall besieging you. And I will gather them inside this city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm in furious anger and in great wealth. So wrath. So in other words, Rather than this being another Hezekiah situation, Hezekiah was righteous in trying to follow God and yet was facing judgment of God based upon his nation. We have Zedekiah who has just leaned into evil and leaned away from uh, the word of God. And so God is saying to him now, no, you are now my enemy, not the Assyrians, not the Babylonians, you. 
a very scary place to be. A very scary <laughs> place to be. Thank you, Corey. That is excellent. Very good. Uh, Jen? I have a quick three-point lesson to go through here. I started reading Jeremiah 22, and it says, Thus says the Lord, go down, he's saying this to Jeremiah, go down to the house of the king of Judah, and there speak this word. And he begins by saying, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and the people who enter these gates. And he gives them instructions to do and says that things will go well if they follow that instruction. And then by verse five, it says, but if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Desolation means unhappiness. It means emptiness, devastation. And I thought about that as the house of the Lord now is really who I am. It is where I've invited the presence of God to be in. I gave my life to God, committed my life to follow Jesus, and this is my house. This is who I am. And that's why it's so important for me to know his word, but not to just know his word, but to apply it in my life so I don't become a desolation. So don't let your house don't let me, Janice, and my house become a desolation, a place of unhappiness, a place of emptiness, a place of devastation without God. So point number one, the word of God, the Bible is amazing and it's wonderful. And you need to take the time. It's the bread of life. It's the living water. And we need to, to take that and, and take parts of it every day. Imagine if you didn't eat or drink every day or just maybe once a week on a Sunday, if you're going to eat Sunday. No, we need to partake of it every day. We need to eat. The Word of God, the Bible is amazing and wonderful. Point two, we need to read it and we need to know it. But point three, it's good to read it, good to know it, but we need to apply it in our lives. That means, you know what? I can read every recipe book know every recipe, but unless I take those ingredients and, and follow them and mix them up and pour them in a pan and put them in the oven and turn the temperature on for a certain time and wait for a certain time and then take it out, maybe test it with a toothpick, it'll never happen. If I just read the book and I don't do anything, I'll never get to enjoy the benefits of actually doing that recipe and then being able to eat it. Same thing with the Word of God and your relationship with Him. Don't just read it, but get it into your heart and then apply it. Begin to live it out. Let your actions show. Be that ambassador, the light and the salt for Jesus in your community. Today we need to pray, and as we do so, we've followed up the prayers that we've already listed on the screen. But let's pray together, you and I. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know who you are. And if people are listening, don't know you, come into our lives, forgive us of our sin. We know you died on the cross and rose again. 
and we need you in our life. Give us a new life. Give us your Holy Spirit and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.